0: Welcome back to the podcast. I've got a special guest today with me. um, And I'm so excited to share this with you. Her name is Teresa Alasio. She's a medical doctor and a a pathologist. So she loves looking at things under the microscope. And I want to tell you this, this interview is very special to me for a couple of reasons. One, I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with her. But the second reason is that This particular conversation is about a condition that I'm especially passionate about, and that condition is called lichen sclerosis. It affects men and women, mostly women. Can be seen in young children. In fact, the youngest child that I ever had with this condition was a six year old little girl. And then I've had a couple of men that have had it, but mostly women. And it's a condition that is literally debilitating for women in its more severe stages, but it's very underreported, underdiagnosed. And a lot of women just suffer along with this disease, this condition, without ever getting good results or any kind of you know, hope for a resolution from conventional medicine. There are some external treatments that you can do, some topical steroids that do help, but as we know, everything has an underlying condition, right? So when I met Teresa and we began talking about um, her passion, which is the gut, and so that's music to my ears, uh, but her passion is the gut, and then I asked her from a pathology perspective how often she sees lichen sclerosis cases and she was she just said all the time and it's very underreported so it's very sad it's a heartbreaking condition lots of women have it and I love to talk about this and bring awareness to this but no better to uh, for someone to talk about this than uh, Dr. Teresa Alessio, and she's going to share with us, I'll let you listen into my conversation with her about, we're going to talk about lichens, and then we're also going to talk about the importance of looking at the gut as an underlying contributing factor, which we all know, to these autoimmune conditions. So here's my interview with Dr. Teresa Alessio. Welcome, Teresa. This is Dr. Teresa Alessio. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited that you're here today. We actually met on a separate call. And when I learned a little bit about what you were doing, what you were up to and your background as a medical doctor, I was quite intrigued. So welcome. I'm so glad you're here.
1: Oh, thanks, Rhonda. I am thrilled to be here today with you.
0: We are going to chat about a topic that has been near and dear to my heart and that is lichen sclerosis. And many of you listening may not, you may have heard of it. You may not even know what it is. But before I kind of dive in and give my two cents on that, Dr. Alasio, would you please give us a little bit background on who you are so that our listeners can have some context about why you're very qualified to talk about this topic?
1: (laughs) Sure. So thanks, Rhonda. So I am a medical doctor. My specialty training is in pathology. In laboratory medicine, and I've been practicing anatomic pathology for over 15 years in northeastern United States, in Connecticut and New York. I specialize in cyt- cytology. I also read dozens of biopsies, including GI and gyn specimens. And in the past, I would say year and a half, I have actually been transitioning to practice functional medicine. In, yeah, which is it's. I've come to. I've come to. See The light, honestly, it has completely captivated me. It has completely transformed me in so many ways. And I feel like my background in diagnostic medicine has been revived and enhanced and all of the tests that can be done in functional medicine is a world that I had no idea existed so I got super excited super I, super excited I
0: love it I just love it I, I feel like I always say you've come over from the dark side and I mean no disrespect about that at all but like oh, it's if we think it's about like, true western medicine is really kind of the dark ages to some degree it is it's it, it's, it's not true. open yeah
1: go ahead it's it's not open and rather than poo poo pardon yes. the, pardon the pun yes. of <laughs> western medicine i would say that the functional perspective makes so much more sense. Yes, it does. Looking for root causes, looking for the links between if you're inflamed in one in one area, you're probably inflamed in another area. And all that inflammation is linked. Yeah. Why can't why is it so hard to make that connection? Right. Yeah, and I and agree. I think it's just I think it's just brilliant. I am amazed at the work that all these different practitioners that I come in contact with and people. People who 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 are thought leaders in this field have taught me so much. I feel like I'm going through a renaissance.
0: <laughs> it is a in a way. It feels like that, doesn't it? Because it's like it's like a whole, it's like a, a closet door opened and you realize there's just a whole nother world in there that you know nothing about. And I I will say, I want to jump in here and say I, at the podcast I did recently was on why I hate functional medicine. And so for those <laughs> of you listening, and so I I Teresa, I want to qualify for those of you listening that have listened to that podcast. I don't want you to think I fell off the turnip truck and I'm reneging what I don't like. And I'll say this, what I don't like about many, not all, not all, but many who use the functional medicine term is that it seems to still fall or swing over more towards that medical side. We're going to just test and test and test and test and test. And we're going to just go, okay. And we're going to symptom chase based on the test. And it talks about using that featuring or, or looking for that underlying cause, but sometimes it still is a little too medical. So I like to think about functional medicine is more of like a functional wellness. We're leaning towards that using hmm. the functional approach and taking advantage of what we have available but because of all the testing and the clinical diagnostics that we can do. But we want to swing that more really towards, so functional medicine, I think in my mind, I'm thinking it's really more like functional wellness. We're really trying to restore wellness and health, optimal health to the patient using a more functional diagnostic approach. Yeah, absolutely. That's my two cent caveat. So that was only because this was a recent podcast and I had so much positive feedback about it. I didn't want all you listeners to go, wait, is she reneging? No, 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 I'm not reneging.
1: So, no, I mean, from my perspective though, I see it as after studying disease and coming from a place of disease right yes. because pathology is we're looking for disease, oh, disease all the right. time right we we're look we're, it's very disease oriented and even medical training it's all about like waiting till the the patient comes to you and they're sick yeah well, what exactly. about what about the patient who who is well? What else is it's? What about making them well instead of making them sicker or treating the yes. treating all different kinds of things? So, but my my point with all of this is that looking at all looking at disease like lichen sclerosis, for example, which we're going to talk about in a, in a few minutes, I've see, you see it from one perspective, and then when you twist it on its head so to speak and you look at it from a functional perspective it has a whole different a whole it's a whole different prism
0: It's like looking in the windows of a house. I always say, if you look in the front windows on the either side of the front door, you're only going to get that perspective. If you look at through the side windows, you're going to get a different perspective. Same house. If you look in the backyard and through the back windows, you're going to have a completely different perspective of the house. It's when we look at all those different perspectives that we get to see what does the floor plan look like? What is the architecture of this condition? Well, how is it expressing itself? What other, what rooms are connected and what other conditions are connected? We have lichen sclerosis. That's just one thing, but what else is all in the house, right? That's just one room in the house. So you're absolutely right. I completely agree.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, if you take a condition like lichen sclerosis, which is part of this category of inflammatory der- dermatoses of the female genital tract, and also men can get it too. Mm-hmm. So you, it, it's not just exclusively female, but it is found most likely in postmenopausal women. Right. And this this is a condition that is rarely talked about. It doesn't get a lot of light because women don't want to talk about it. They don't want to bring it to their doctor. They don't feel comfortable. They would just rather, they suffer in silence and they don't get it addressed. And, and it's, 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 it's a shame because if, and I think it's really, it's because it's underreported, we don't know what really the prevalence is. And I've read it from all over, all yeah. over, you know, the literature reports different, yeah. different prevalence. I mean, depending on where you look, it's like one in a hundred, one in 500, or then there's some place that say, Oh, it's very rare. It's like, for me, I mean, having read biopsies throughout the years of GYNs who take biopsies of these patients, I think it's, it's actually a lot more common. I do too.
0: I do too. I think you could, I think we could be looking at I read one report or a study out of in 2020 and they reported a one in 70 prevalence. And I thought that's still way too high. I my guess is I'd probably put it around one in 20, maybe even less than that. It's extremely common. And in those postmenopausal women, if you have they go to their gyne and the gyne either isn't educated about it. Or misdiagnosis is just being dry labia, vulvar changes that start to happen as a, re- as a result of the decrease in estradiol, hormonal switches, right. and she's just dry and a little, there's some itching and the tissue gets a little damaged and they're like, yeah, totally normal. When really it is a somewhat of a degenerative disease to that local tissue and it goes underreported. So more people have it and it goes underreported, which is like a double-edged sword.
1: Well, unless you get... GYNs who do who are the the knowledgeable type who do biopsy it there are a fair amount of GYNs that will say okay well let's let's take a piece and see what's going on and it it lichen sclerosis is also when the differential is something like lichen planus right. and other lichenoid type of conditions but specifically lichen sclerosis it will it it can strictures Yes. Um, urethral strictures. It yep. can. It can affect the perirectal area. It can also. It does. It does also ha- cause adhesions, like clitoral adhesions, which this is. This can be a devastating condition for for many, many women who are affected right. by it. Yeah, it does not cause any lesions in the vagina or in the mucosal area. So that's what differentiates it from a condition like lichen planus, which right. can affect the mucosa, including right. the oral mucosa, oral. Mm-hmm. right? But you do want to investigate and diagnose because of the implications. There is a small but significant association with the yes. and squamous squamous cell carcinoma in a small but significant percentage of women. So you you want to catch it, you want to treat it and and control it. Um, reason,
0: I'm gonna jump in right there because I think that's yeah. a really good point. I want to make sure we highlight that, and that is that. The treatment, the conventional treatment for lichens, I know that in some of the groups that they had, they did some some control groups. They found that in the control versus the women that had the lichens, that when they treated it with a topical steroid titrated down over three months, that those women were far less likely, if at all, to end up with that squamous cell dysfunction or cancer, neoplasia. Whereas if you get it early and you can get that treatment there now, I I'm not a big fan of using steroids, topical steroids, because they're harsh, they're hard, but it does get it under control quickly. While then we can come in and do some of the functional wellness, functional medicine, we can come in and do some of the restorative and repair while you're quieting down the symptoms. I always think of it. It's not the same, but I think when you have a wicked headache and you know, you need to go to the chiropractor, you got to function. So sometimes two ibuprofen is just the way we roll. And we're going to take two ibuprofen and I'm going to shut this thing up because I can't get to the chiropractor till tomorrow, but I have to function in my life. So for a woman that has lichen, sometimes that topical intervention allows her to function. And then hopefully she's working with a functional medicine, someone in this realm that can help Bring a g- deal with the underlying cause. Look at the link to autoimmunity, right? Deal with the topical issues and use herbs like g- go to cola or PMGs or whatever. So, anyway, well, I, I to mean, jump in on that,
1: especially since when you talk about functioning, I mean, this is really something that can be debilitating oh, in yes. daily life. I mean, the the main one of the main symptoms of LS is itching. Yep. So just. Just general itching, painful urination. These, you know, how how can you go to work? Right. Honestly, if right. you're not working from home. But even if you are working from home, who wants to be itching all day all this the is time? It's terrible. Yeah. yeah it's you terrible. can't live with that. And you shouldn't have to live with that. Yeah. Right. So I agree. Yes, it can be a bicameral approach to control those symptoms, but also look at the underlying cause, which is the inflammation and the autoimmune. And so when we talk about the autoimmune link with sclerosis there is evidence in the literature there have been some studies to to link lichen sclerosis with an auto autoimmune etiology yep. associated with autoimmune diseases most commonly is with thyroid Yes, yeah. Also type one diabetes are are both associated or can be can occur in with lichen sclerosis. Lichen sclerosis since it is mostly a po- postmenopausal woman's condition, you can you also should you should be looking at the thyroid as well. Anyway, um, the type one yeah. anyway. I mean yeah. you have to be looking at the thyroid and alopecia as well.
0: Yes. Yeah. There's so we know then that if there's an autoimmune going on that that we know that autoimmune, so much of that autoimmune trigger, shall we say, or white, yeah, you know, it's always the which comes first, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. Is the lichens first in that, or is it related because we have like Hashimoto's and then we develop lichens. But we know when you have one autoimmune, you are a sitting duck to have multiple. Because when- you Oh, for that, sure. You get that regulation in the immune system. If you have one, it's just a matter of time before the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth. So at, once those dominoes start to go, Then we have to stop and say, well, wait a minute, how do we look at what's underneath this? And that's where I, for me anyway, the very first place that I'm going to go is the gut. That's the first place I'm going to look for. For sure. You have an autoimmune. Would you agree with that?
1: I would agree 110% with that. I mean, when you think that 80 to 90% of your immune system is in the gut. Yes, that's right. Right. Is that's, that's the place you have to go. That's where you have to go to look for any kind of immune, autoimmune dysfunction. And, you know, now with the thinking of the rise of, of I guess I don't know the power of the gut microbiome. Yeah. The, yeah. This this whole like like it's practically this this rediscovery of the gut thing. Everything comes from the gut. Yeah. What did what did Alessio Fasano say? All disease begins in the leaky gut. Socrates that came from Socrates. Ocrates, all disease yeah. begins in the gut. So yeah. we've known it all along, right? And so if your gut has its own immune system and your and dysbiosis of the gut. Is going to throw off your immune system, which will which will cascade into an autoimmune situation where your body does not recognize self. They see self as non-self and right. then begins right. to attack. And with with increase of GMO. Food with the vitamins, not even we're not even the gluten is a whole nother topic, uh, but exactly. the fact <laughs> is that an, an infection such as H. pylori or Lyme disease or any of these things that cause glutathione depletion which is the master antioxidant, this is a whole setup for an autoimmune cascade of which LS or thyroid, Hashimoto's or alopecia, diabetes, et cetera, Crohn's, all of these guys come marching right in into this autoimmune forum, right?
0: when we've got as a clinician, and you have a patient that comes in, some of my audience, because somebody listening could be a guy, and say, "Yep, I don't, I don't evaluate for this often, or I don't know enough about this, or I do need to learn a little bit more about this, or maybe do a little bit more biopsying, or even you don't even have to have a biopsy to confirm it. Sometimes the visual presentation upon exam is clear enough; you can see the changes, they're consistent enough with the pathology, the visual pathology. But what about? for a clinician who's not doing any kind of a physical exam. So let's just say like a chiropractor or an acupuncturist or someone, they're not going to examine the tissue. I always recommend that you ask the question, do you have labial itching? Because it's the number one hallmark of lichens. So what other questions could we ask a patient, a female patient that may help us to flush that out so that we know to go down this rabbit hole of covering this underlying cause and helping them. So as a pathologist, what would you say, what could we ask? What questions could we ask that would help to flush this out?
1: Well, certainly itching, burning on urination, dyspareunia, so painful sex, very anal itching also can, can be, can be a case. If a woman is self-aware and looks and and take a hand mirror and take a look are there right. spots do you right. notice white spots are is your skin appearing thin is it looking thin or white or friable what those what ls lesions are described usually as are paper white lesions mm-hmm. looks so, like a little
0: Looks like a little spidery kind of a thing. It's like a little white spider web sort of right on the tissue. It's like the tissue kind of scars together. We were talking about fibrosis earlier where it actually kind of pulls together and tightens. And so you lose that architecture, the normal plump architecture of the skin and the labia And, and into menopause, the labial tone Is going to reduce anyway so it is going to reduce we are going to have less plumpness in that local area but it should not look friable tender like it's going to tear bleeding upon wiping after urination like the skin can get really 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 paper thin in some cases so
1: so asking all of these questions is can be very useful and Most women will know. I mean, obviously you you would know (laughs) if it's going on, but you know, but many women do not volunteer this information unless they're asked.
0: I've always said it's not, lichens. I think is very under discussed and she may not even be able to discuss it with her husband because they can't have sex. Intercourse then is painful and she doesn't understand why it just hurts. And so she doesn't get it. I say it's not, lichens is not dinner table conversation. This is not like women sitting across going, gosh, my girl parts itch like crazy. How are yours? I mean, no, nobody (laughs) does that. Right. So it's not something that we just, no one talks about it as women. We just aren't going to naturally talk about it. So I think that as practitioners bringing light to this, and I've been talking about lichens for 20 years and I've been at the end of the seminars. And when I was on the road, teaching continuing education seminars at the end of every seminar, I would talk about lichens. It was like my my flag in the sand. I'm like, you guys gotta look for this. You have to that's ask your soapbox. It is my soapbox because <laughs> it it's is. so underreported and it affects so many people. But I will say this: the youngest child that I ever had with a diagnosed lichens was six years
1: old. Yes, that is that's a very good point because it does appear in children.
0: Yep. And I had one male and it was on the end of the penis. And he was, he could not have, he, he had to be very careful even with an erection because the skin would stretch and then it was really painful and it would bleed. And he was really uncomfortable for him. He worked in a cabin, some kind of a cabinet manufacturing, something where they stained and sanded and did cabinet refinishing. And I asked him, I'm thinking autoimmune I'm thinking toxic exposure like what is it that's triggering and could have gotten in this this immune causes immune dysregulation and I said do you ever wear a mask or anything and he goes oh no no never have I have my hands in solvents and chemicals all the time paint thinner and all the things and I just thought okay and so I asked him is there a way that you can change that up you can do it differently wear gloves wear a mask he said oh I'm not going to do any of that I you're said, kidding. <laughs> Like sex or that, I guess that's your choice. I can't, I can't care about it more than you do. I just need you to know this is what I'm, this is what I'm suggesting as a starting point. So Mm -hmm. when, whether you've got a young child or a man or a menopausal woman, I've even seen it in reproductive age women. It's not as common, more, way more common in menopausal women. But so now we know we've got an idea that yes, they're itchy. Yes, they could have lichens. So certainly working with a gynecologist is a good idea. But from a functional standpoint, then if we are going to go and do any kind of testing, what kinds of testing would you recommend that we do? Because we were thinking in the back of our minds about the gut, right? We're like, okay, this, uh, this is, could likely be autoimmune and what kind of autoimmune tests, if any, and then where would we go as far as gut remediation? What would your recommendations be?
1: Well, I love to test. I think this is, it's the best best thing ever i think you can find so much information about about a person and the way they live their lives by looking at their gut so i really love what i what i do with my clients is that when they come to me complaining of gut symptoms or like such as bloating and bloating constipation diarrhea even fogginess, uh, feeling very, feeling unfocused, people who feel even, even some sluggishness, depression, emotional things, which all can be wrapped up into the gut. Yeah. When we look and test the gut, I really love using quantitative PCR testing, such as a GI Map. Yeah, from uh, Diagnostic Solutions. I think that's a great test, which has such so much information because it gives you the amounts of all these bugs, and and also inflammatory markers such as such as the IGA. Yeah. iga levels sonulin it also gives you the steatocrit it gives you bagel Beta-glucuronidase. Gl- it allows you to assess digestive function, and you can get a sense of what is their microbiome look like. Yeah, yeah. and you can and you can look to see how much if there are virulent organisms present, and these virulent organisms can be there like like H. Pylori, for example. It can just sit there for years. Yeah, and even if it is like they'll give you like a level of what what their are off level is and but in my opinion if a person is feeling symptoms and there is h pylori present i do like to treat it i it and and i treat ever the level is if it's close i still treat it yeah because because i find that people a it's very prevalent and b if you treat it people feel better yeah because what that little bug does is that it interferes with the breakdown of all your pro- all proteins that you ingest, right? Everything right. you bring in, it's going to break everything. It's going to interfere with the breakdown. So when, when proteins get broken down into amino acids, your body uses that amino, those amino acids to build up other proteins that your body needs like immunoglobulins, right. neurotransmitters, right. hormones, all these kinds of things. Right. And if that H. pylori is interfering with that, those level those those types of things that your body needs are going to be low and deficient. Right. right. And that is a setup for autoimmunity. Right. So
0: you so you recommend then doing a stool sample like a GI MAP test. And there are several yep. companies out there that do it, but I do. I love Definitely. the GI MAP test. So you would do stool testing and then yep. to examine the gut what about anything specific for autoimmune are there any tests that you would have or you would say okay if I had a lichens patient this is what I would want to look for Certainly we mentioned looking at the thyroid like caution. I would
1: stuff. I would definitely look at the thyroid mm-hmm. uh, I I would look for I would you can do your and your TSH antibodies you can do thyroid function tests obviously you can even do an Harkening back to my days as a as a pathologist, do thyroid scans ultrasound scans of the thyroid where you can have you can see evidence of Hashimoto's thyroiditis where yeah. the where the thyroid is shrunken and very nodular looking you get that Swiss cheese appearance yeah. and you can even biopsy it and you just see like lymphocytes all over the place which is basically turning your thyroid gland into a big lymph node
0: correct That's right? right
1: and decreases all the function of the yeah. thyroid it's taken up because you're because you're because it's full of lymphocytes right? So I mean, looking at the thyroid, obviously, look at the pancreas, look and see what the pancreatic function is, see if there's if there's there any, like, is there any diabetes in the in the patient's realm, see what, see if there's anything going on there. Look for evidence of other kinds of autoimmune diseases. Primarily look, look, really look at the gut and see, see what's going on there. What's the IGA levels? Is the, is it high? Is it low? Both could, both could be significant for inflammatory, inflammatory evidence, right? Yeah. So that's, that's where I sit with that.
0: There's always (laughs) so many different directions to go. And I think that becomes the overwhelming part for many clinicians because they think, oh my gosh, like, okay, so I have this patient in this case lichens, but it could be anything. Let's just say it's Hashi's even, but whatever the autoimmune condition is, we know we have to go back at the gut. Sometimes the patients can't afford the test. They just can't afford it or the insurance won't pay for it. They, They don't have the right kind of insurance or the practitioner isn't able to order the right type of test or bill the insurance appropriately. So if they don't have the ability to do that, let's just say we didn't have a test. We didn't have a test, but we can be fairly certain that there is a level of dysbiosis going on at some level, at least some kind of virulent something in there. What would your recommendation be? If you had a patient that just said, look, I, I just can't, I, I don't have it. I can't spend that kind of money.
1: Well, if you wanted to treat empirically, if you can't do that testing and get those hard numbers, I would say you probably have to look at supporting your GI tract, supporting the gut right? With a good probiotic, a nice, a good medical grade probiotic. Right. 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 Not something you buy, like at the CVS, that's going to promise something that doesn't deliver go for something that's a a a decent, a clinical grade (laughs) probiotic. Yeah. Right. 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 So offer, offer your patient that offer your patient something to heal their gut, Uh, supporting the gut. I like the, I like biotics research, neutrophil, plus and i like the bio hpf it has things like marshmallow and licorice root and what else did it have it has all sorts of really good yummy things for to support your neutrophils to support the gut lining yeah the gi revive i really like i like that one i like i I like that that's designs for health i really like that one and also going for an anti-inflammatory diet that's a simple fix that's no, no insurance required. Yeah, exactly. you know, you can just start at
0: home. Do this at home today. Do, this, today. do this at yeah.
1: home. Yeah. Drink some green tea. Stay away from the processed foods. Stay away from the gluten as much as you can. Stay away from the sugar. Obviously a big one. These listen are, to, these are things.
0: Listen to yourself talking about all this
1: functional stuff. Like I well, just
0: so love this. Like you probably I love never it. had this conversation. What? 10 years ago.
1: No, I love it too. I love it so much, honestly. And and I just launched my website, and I and I have all this offerings for patients. And I'm like, this is just fantastic that I can do this for people, and it works. Right? No, I it love just it. works for people, and they feel so much bothered. They oh, I don't have to look for a bathroom every time I go I to know. an amusement park. Things like that is really, it's really very meaningful. So, so maybe if you don't have, you don't have to test, I think it's good to have information. If you
0: can, absolutely. I agree. If
1: you can do it, but if you, if you can't, or if there's something that's holding you back from doing that, try some simple things and support them as much as you can.
0: And you know, and that's sometimes what I, think. I think the pa- I agree with you. And I think sometimes the patient doesn't have, they may not have value for the test. In other words, the information that it's going to provide to the practitioner, what I will often say is if the patient doesn't or can't afford to test, or you already know you're going to make dietary changes with them, right? You already know you might use bitters to upregulate digestive function. You already know Mm. that you may have a sluggish gallbladder. So you're going to use things like glow to choke or whatever you're going to use, right? So you already know you're going to do that stuff first, do it, just get started, just get started. But what I often will say is if you get backed in a corner, in other words, You've done all the things you know to do. You've modified diet. You've pulled out the inflammatory foods. You've you've got good fiber in. You've got a good probiotic going. And there's like a 60% improvement, but they're still struggling. That's when I say, okay. And I will have this talk with the patient and say, okay, look, we've done everything we can do. And now I need to know, you're asking me to drive the car and get you to a destination. And I don't have a map and I need a map and the and the the GI map test or the gut whatever your gut test is you're going to do that now is my map. Now I don't know where else to go. I've done everything I know to do. Now I need to get deeper information. I need more information in order to drive the car to get me from point A to point B. So I'm pulled off on the side of the road, stopped, we're in a pause until we can get some more diagnostic information. And I think that's also a great time to add a test in. But at that point, the patient has seen the difference and they're like, okay, yeah, let's dig a little deeper and find out
1: what's going on. So, yeah, yeah. well, you can, you can also, you can motivate people, you know, by showing them that they can improve Yes. with, yeah. with these, with these modifications say, well, you know what we can even, we can do even better if you if you can go there with me yeah yeah if you let me take you there we can do better
0: well this has been the best conversation i have loved every bit of this especially the lichen's part it's like dissecting the whole thing and we could go on and on and on about all the things with the gut but what i would like to do is i i do have a favor to ask you so before we let everybody know where they can reach out and contact you i would love it if you would be willing to get on another podcast with me in the future And we can talk just about the, and I I knew you would love it. I knew it. I knew I would love it. Oh, yes. So we will, Teresa, we'll bring you back and we'll do another podcast episode and we'll just dive into, maybe we'll just stick with like the GI map test, but we'll just kind of dive into that and look at some of the things, the amazing magical things that you can learn on a GI map test and why that kind of testing would be so, so important to really understand and master, not that you can't order the test and then call the lab and they'll go over it with you, but really to be able to master that and understand why that is so important. As you're leading a wellness practice, you have to be able to have those tools and ability to use the tools. And- understand them and be able to pull the information out of them appropriately to be able to help the patient. So thank you so much for being on the podcast with me
1: today. Oh, I am thrilled. And there is so much to talk about with the GI, with gut health. I just, we can definitely have enough material to Fill up another, another podcast for at sure.
0: Least I know. For
1: sure. So
0: how can my listeners get in touch with you?
1: So intentionalselfct.com is my website. And if, if people are interested in learning what I have to offer in terms of like cheat sheet for H. pylori diagnosis, treatment, the whole nine yards. Love it. Sign up on my email list, and I will be sure to get that to you. Uh, I am also on Facebook. My Facebook page is Intentional Self, and my Instagram is Dr. Terry Alasio, T-E-R-R-Y-A-L-A-S-I-O.
0: So we can find you both places. So if they didn't get on your mailing list, they could also reach out to you then on your Facebook page or DM or wherever and say, Hey, can you send me the H. pylori guide? So thank you for putting that together. That is so nice. I think it's something that we often overlook. A lot of practitioners overlook the role of H. pylori, but you are right. So many people do have it. And I think that it can be protective and beneficial when it's in a very low level. But the problem is, is that that guy just starts to want to overgrow and take over the world. And so we just have to put that thing back in its place. I don't think we need to eradicate it completely, but get it back down so that it's at its little seedling level where it does provide benefit, but not when it's big and overgrown. And that's what we see on the test is the big overgrown guy. So Absolutely. I love that you put that together. Thank you so much. I didn't know you were going to do that. So that's really thoughtful of you. So again, okay. Teresa, thank you so much. It's been my pleasure to chat with you.
1: Thanks, Rhonda. It was my pleasure too. Thank okay. you. I'll thank see you next time. You. Okay. Thanks. <laughs>
0: Well, wasn't that a pretty great conversation? I loved being able to chat more of the clinical kind of get underneath the hood uh, information that Teresa was able to share with us and we are able to really benefit from. So Teresa, thank you so, so much. As promised, she has a great resource for us. Um, I did link it in the show notes, but it's all about dealing with H. pylori. And that is a common condition that we see in patients that have chronic digestive issues. So she goes over her um, testing recommendations, why treatment is important. And then she's got a few little treatment pearls that she's going to share with us about how to suppress it, deal with it, rebuild the microbiome, repair that gastric mucosa, etc. So um, I will link that in the show notes for you. And you can, as well as we talked about, you can find her at Intentional Self CT. The CT stands for Connecticut.com. Intentional Self CT.com. And then just go find her and say hello on Facebook or Instagram. So her business is Intentional Self. Dr. T Terry or Teresa Alasio. So thank you so much for hanging out with me. If you'd like more tips, tricks, strategies, and just my general take on running a wellness practice, you can always do that by going to my website, rondanelsoncom forward slash join, and that'll get you right on my list. And then uh, I won't blow you up, I promise. But I will give you some insights and tips and things that are going to help you as a clinician make a better business, a more profitable business, and one that you allows you to live the life that you really love to live, and you can um, have an income that reflects the hard work that you, are, you have done and the impact that you're having in your patients' lives. All right, friends, take care. I'll see you next week on the Clinical Entrepreneur Podcast. <laughs>